everybody knows when I wear a tie, I'm teaching. Okay, it's just the way things, the way things are. Um, I'm the the. I always give my messages titles. I don't know why. I think it's just out of habit or summary or whatever. But um, <clears throat> this morning we're going to talk about or the title of my message is a matter of perspective. And uh, it's great to it's great to give a message from a position of moral, um, of, of being able to give it with moral standing. In other words, moral authority, that's the word I'm looking for, moral authority. And I have to confess that, um, that this, this sermon is born out of uh, my own struggles uh, with being thankful uh, without being grumbly or complaining uh, with some of... Uh, life circumstances. You know, as Tanya and I have had more kids and as financial and social pressures rise, uh, it's easier it's it's easier to, be, to, to grumble and complain uh, instead of being thankful for what we've been given. Uh, I've also always struggled with, with um, being fearful of peer pressure as far as sharing the gospel, always. And so these are two things where... Um, Having a, a, a kingdom perspective is something that that, um, that is going to be helpful. And I, I found a verse, or recalled a verse that, that uh, I will frame my sermon around, and that is Romans eight eighteen. I'm going to read it now, but then we'll. I'll read it quickly now, but then we're going to go on to uh, 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 just a brief digression right at the beginning. Uh, Romans eight eighteen is, I consider that the, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And that's the, that's the, the, the verse or the idea that I want um, us all to think about as, as we go through this message this morning. Tanya and I came up with a, lot of, with a list of uh, things that, that, that we or you or I may struggle with. But these are a hypothetical, typical American examples of what it means to suffer or sacrifice, and these are these are really almost ridiculous when you compare these to the stories that we read about in Voice of the Martyrs or or Gospel for Asia or here in the news from Indonesia or, or uh, Sudan. Uh, but yet we struggle with with these. I suspect you guys do. These are going to reflect where I'm at in my life. But <clears throat> uh, so I'm just going to go through some real quickly, just to. To give examples of what I'm talking about, of of of, uh, of struggling with with these um, with laying my life down when I should be thankful and cheerful about it. Um, number one on my list is sacrificing financially to raise children at home and disciple them. You know, when Tanya and I were uh, before we had kids, you know, we were we both had professional careers. We were we were living large. You know, and then we had kids, and we, we made the decision to stay for, for Tanya to stay home. We gave up that income. That was really hard. And it seems to have gotten harder the more kids we've had. You know, as prices, as expenses go up, you know, it's difficult. Um, related to that, for mothers who give up their professional status to stay home, that was, that was very difficult for Tanya. You know, the world doesn't value mothers like they value things that you see on TV, you know. Nurses, doctors, lawyers, all that stuff. They don't. There's no sitcoms about mothers that that are in a positive light. So that's tough to give that up. 
being kind to people who are rude to you. People that, uh, that don't talk to you in a kind way. Maybe a supervisor who, who is just a jerk and you want to retaliate. You know, that's, or, or gossip about, you know. I've struggled with that. Being labeled a fundamentalist freak for believing that the Bible's true. Talking to coworkers, and you, you, you sense that fear that you're going to be lumped with the caricatures they've drawn, you know. Allowing yourself to be inconvenienced for the good of others. Tanya thought of this one. You know, this in, in the setting of, of, of kids, you know, Tanya's got an agenda for a day. She's got her to-do list. And what's between her and her to-do list? It's little children. And little children, they don't know about to-do lists. And maybe that day, that day they're not up for what's on Tanya's to-do list. And so Tanya's got a choice. She can push through. She can drag them along. She can um, basically make their life miserable to get her to-do list done. Or she can compromise and, and adjust and sacrifice her desires for for her children. Getting up many times a night to feed for a baby or to take care of a sick baby. Right, Jim? Rota, Eliana's had rotavirus. We've had that too in our kids. That's miserable. And even though pagan people would take care of their children, you know, for us, I find myself rocking in, in, in the, the chair, and, and Tanya, even more than I, does this. But I get down there, and I feel resentful that I'm up not sleeping. You know, that is, that's another way to lay your life down, another way to sacrifice, to do right and, and, um, and not be grumbling and complaining, complaining about it. <clears throat> a couple more here before we get into the meat of the sermon. How about suppressing worldly demands of our time and money in order to spend time reading the Bible or giving to the church financially? These things all have, following God has a cost, and that cost has to be weighed. Working hard, even, even within the church, working hard at serving the church through service. You know, um, it's not fun to, to, to miss, the, to miss a, a teaching when you're in the nursery and the kid's crying is not yours. You know, that is, that's laying your life down. That's laying your life down, you know. Or getting here, you know, I get here about uh, a quarter till nine every morning and uh, set the place up. And there are times when I have to confess I wish I was at home, okay? Or there's times when, um, when uh, Mike schedules a, a church meeting and I wish I was out doing something else, you know? <laughs> Hunting, right, Mike? But, but, uh, but, you know, I go anyway and, and because it's the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, the, the last point is you can do all this stuff and if you're grumbling, grumbling and complaining, it's not what God has for us. It's... It's not um, doing things his way. It's one of my favorite child Sunday school memory verses is uh, do everything without complaining or complaining or grumbling. Is it arguing and complaining? Sorry. See, I even missed that one. But, you know, that's the, that's the idea. Um, and that's where I've been struggling. And that's, the, that's, the, that's where the sermon is born out of. Um, and I thought, you know, would, would having an eternal perspective of our lives would that help? Would that change our level of obedience? Um, and I, when I say lives, I don't mean the time that we have on the earth, but I mean our, our, the totality of our existence. 
would that change? If, would that change the way we viewed our sacrifices and our and our and our strivings here on earth? And that's where I got to this. That's what this ver, this verse talks about, and the rest of the verses and examples that I'm going to give this morning. That's where it all points to. Uh, Romans eight eighteen is a good memory verse, and I'm gonna I'm gonna home in. I'm gonna read it again, and then home in on three words I picked, and 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 that's gonna. That's going to be the points of this message. Again, Romans 8.18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The first word that I'm focusing on is the word consider. The word consider. That means to think about beforehand, to contemplate. That's something that's important to, to, view, to view life from an eternal perspective, from the perspective of heaven. The next two words are sufferings and glory. Those are the three key words that, I'm, that I've chosen to, to use. We're going to talk about considering first, and then we'll move on to the sufferings and then the glory later. Um, if, we don't, if we don't consider something... Then, and if we don't take time to think through or contemplate, we're not going to make the right decision about anything. And as far as um, as far as this topic of sufferings, you know, our choices and our the, the choices that we face have to do with the conflict of our own comfort and convenience, and where that bumps into what the will of God is for our lives. What we're supposed to do? What's the right thing to do with regards to anything? Where those two bump into each other is where we need to make a choice. So then we need to consider um, how to make that choice. We need to weigh the costs. Of course, it's always right. I mean, it's always right to follow the will of God. But we, suffered, we, we, we struggle to do it. And so when we're struggling to do it, to frame the, to frame the issue in, from, from eternity, to me, is helpful. And that's what I'm going to be talking about the rest of this morning. This world is in a lot of ways, an illusion. And I don't mean that I'm not pinching my arm right now, but what I mean is that we only see and look at what we have here on earth right now. And people who don't know God, that's, they think that's all there is. They think that, that um, what we taste, smell, hear, see and touch is, is it. And then when we die, it's over. Of course, we know that, that this life is just the extremely brief beginning of our um, of our being, of our existence. I mean, for all you math majors out there, 75 years divided by eternity or affinity, that's asymptotically zero, right? Right? Okay? We are zero here. Zero. Psalm 39, verse 5 puts it this way, Behold, you have made my days as hand breaths. My lifetime is nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Psalm 144 says it like this. Man is like a mere breath. His days are like a passing shadow. We are making, when we think about the struggles that we have in laying our life down on this earth, we're doing so in the, in the, in the almost zero portion of our existence, we're, 
it's not the objective, the true objective time or place to look at our choices and, and, and how we should be looking at them. In uh, a way to think about this, the reason we should be thinking about this, I have kind of an example that I hope will help um, as far as um, encouraging us to actually go through the thinking process about our sufferings and of our sacrifices. Um, my children often obey, often disobey. You're shocked, I know. You're surprised. <laughs> and many times, you know, they... Um, it's not that they have heard what Tanya and I have said and they, and they uh, consider it and then they decide that they're going to do something else. I would even say maybe that most of the time, maybe with the younger ones more than Antonia, they didn't hear me or Tanya to begin with. They didn't value what we said. And if you don't, if you don't, know, if you don't know what we said, you can't obey it. And in the same way, in a similar fashion, I think that we can't accurately weigh the cost of, our, of, of, the, of the suffering we may experience through our, our correct choices and following God's will. We can't, we can't make that from, from an eternal perspective if we don't consider and actively think about it. Because the, default, the, the default mindset, the default existence is to coast. Okay, I'm a coaster, and I think most people are, if they're not always renewing their mind. They're, they're coasting life blissfully, feeding their flesh. Okay? And that's what I've always struggled with to one degree or another. I think most people do. It's thinking about this. And once you've thought about it, I think the, especially after we read some of the stuff we're going to read, the choice is, um, it's, the choice is clear. And I, th- and I believe more, I mean, the choice always has been clear, but to me it helped to actually read these things so that it helped me in my struggle of obedience. Let's move on to, we're going to, we're going to as we're considering, we're going to move on to the, the other two words, suffering and glory. And we're going to kind of take these at the same time through many of these passages that we're going to read. These are New Testament passages. I've got about three or four of them. The first, I want to start with the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. I'm going to read them, and, and, of, and of course there's a pattern to them, and we'll talk about the pattern. Starting in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now the pattern is this. Blessed are the fill in the blank, for they shall be, and then they are justified. God, in other words, God uh, rewards them. God um, upholds them. He, he, is, he shows them to be in the right. He blesses them for what? 
for valuing what God values in this world. The blessed are the fill in the blank. The fill in the blank is doing right in God's eyes in this world which is under Satan's dominion. Valuing what God values. Suffering for God when the world has other things that it values. Matthew uh, chapter 16 follows up just like this. Uh, Matthew 16 verses 24 through 26 This is where Jesus is uh, talking to his disciples. He says, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I'm not talking about in many in this verse and many other of the rest of the passages, there is a um, almost a sense of talking about uh, one's salvation. I don't really want to dwell on that this morning. Although I would say right now that that uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't know God through Jesus Christ, then you need to you need to be on the winning side between good and evil. You need to choose the one who paid the penalty for our sins. Jesus. The uh, the, the verse out of this passage I want to focus on is verse 25. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's, that, follow, that pattern follows the Beatitudes. It's an upside-down world. It's an upside-down view of the world because, because what God values is upside-down from what Satan values. And our world system is under, under Satan's command. It's something we need to remember because it's easy to through our flesh to fall into line with what the world's saying. Let's move to another verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, but through our, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And there are several things I circled here on this verse, on this passage. You know, one, uh, number one is, um, our inner man is, is being renewed day by day. That's, that's, by, that's not happening unless we make the decision to spend time, to sacrifice our time, to invest our time, rather, in, in, in meditating upon God's Word, letting the Holy Spirit help us to, to see the things that God values. If we do that, we will be renewed. If we, if we don't, if we're just, again, if we're just coasting, just living life day to day without thinking, we're not, we're not going to be renewed. Verse 18, just is a good, almost uh, another way to state Romans 8, 18. We, we choose to look, as believers, we choose to look, we need to choose to look at the big picture of our eternity with God in heaven rather than just on the, the brief time we have here on earth. And this is, 
these are things that it's easy to say that it's it's very difficult. I think it takes a lot of thinking to 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 actually accomplish that. I mean, it's easy to look at and see things that are physically here. It's you know it, it comes down to to the the degree of faith that we have and what we say we believe. But I think verse eighteen captures that. The things that are seen are temporal. They're going to be burned up when the thir- when this earth is gone. The things we see are going to be gone. The things that which are not seen. Christ sitting on the throne right now, that is eternal. That's what, we, that's what we live for. That's what we need to be focused on in the middle of the night when the baby's throwing up or when, um, when a co-worker is, uh, needs to be told that, there's a, there's, um, that God loves him and that he's, that he's a sinner and he needs to be saved. You know, those are the things where we need to look at the, our future in heaven rather than the cost that it's going to cost us right now. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory which is to be revealed to us. Verse 17, I like the, uh, I like the way that the verse is constructed. Momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Those two phrases are kind of, there's like a one-to-one comparison going on there. Momentary light affliction with eternal weight of glory. Momentary, eternal. Light and weight and affliction and glory. So here's momentary light affliction in the grand scheme of things here right now. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care. You know, we, we've, we've listed the powder puff American list, okay? But even the worst... Even the worst stuff, really. Seriously, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, even for, uh, you know, Paul endured quite a bit of real heavy-duty persecution, and he's the one saying this. Momentary light affliction, eternal weight of glory. And that's the real comparison we need to have. We need to think about that in our daily lives. What, is, what are we trading for what? You know, that's what it comes down to. What are we trading for what? Uh, in Luke chapter 18, we've got two more little passages that we're going to go over before my um, final, uh, I have a couple of examples to sum up. Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 30. Uh, the context is, this, this is the rich young ruler coming to Jesus and talking to him about um, being saved and and things are going great in the conversation and then Jesus decides to really test him to to really you know uh, find out where the the guy's at and he says uh, of course he asks the young ruler rich ruler to uh, give up all that he has or sell it all and 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 follow follow Jesus and of course the the young ruler can't do it his I think he values. Um, God must have decided to just ask that question because he knew where the, the ruler's heart really was. Anyway, the disciples are watching this, and then, and then after, after the guy leaves, Peter said, uh, in verse 28, Peter says, Behold, we have left our homes and followed you. And he's kind of, you know, I think he's kind of wondering what's in store for him. You know, well, we've done that, you know. <clears throat> and Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife 
or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. You know, Jesus aimed very high in what people were giving up. He knew the cost that people were were paying to follow him. And all these things that that are listed here, again, they, they pale in comparison to the small things I suffer with every day. The small things that, it, that I struggle with. And yet I do struggle with them. So even though it's, you know, it's like, I shouldn't even be struggling with this at all. These little things. Finances, you know. Driving an older car, whatever, you know. Worried about once what some guy thinks of me, you know. So that I will please him instead of the Lord. It's really ridiculous. But we've got to talk about it because we are struggling with it. Okay? Anyway, Jesus says, lists all these incredibly valuable things. Most of them are relationships. And yet he promises that we'll receive many times more. You know, anything that we trade or exchange for Christ, anything, it's the best, it's the best bargain that we could ever make. To give up anything in this earth, if it's, between, if it's coming between us and God, then we, we're... I mean, we're obligated, we're compelled to give it up. If we want to, if we want to experience, if we want to experience the, the God's approval, or God's, um, not approval, but blessing, to do His will. Finally, one more verse. This is one that we memorized. Um, me and some other men memorized this, uh, I guess it's been a couple years ago. I'm not sure if it's memorized anymore at the time right now. But anyway, Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And there, this, this, this passage is so chock full of, of, of ideas and phrases and important things that it's, it could probably be a sermon in and of itself. But the things that I chose to look at were, were, were two things. Uh, one phrase is, where Christ is. Uh, the things above, above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You know, that's, that is... The tr- the, as I've said before and, and emphasized in the sermon before, that's the true reality. The true reality is not the, 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 uh, the mere physical things we live with and even, even our um, even important things here on earth that we would value as important. That's, that's a, a type of, of illusion compared to the fact that Jesus Christ is right now as we speak sitting at the right hand of, of Father God and we will be with him one day. That is the true reality. And that is the bulk, the vast bulk of our existence reality. That should, motiv- that should not motivate, but that should clarify. It should, it, should, um, it should make it very clear what our duty is to do in the big scheme of things. The, uh, the other two things in this verse, two phrases, keep seeking and set your mind on. You know, the stuff that I'm speaking about, it does not come naturally. It comes with, with effort. Keep seeking and set your mind. These are proactive, conscious efforts on our part 
the default position again, as I've said, it's to coast. It's to be comfortable. It's to lounge, you know. It's to feel sorry for ourselves. It's to complain. It's to bitch and moan, okay. That's not what we're to be about. We're supposed to keep seeking, looking, up, looking above at all times. And do, in doing that, I think it will, I think just that's the key, to be always looking towards God to be able to do His will, be it without grumbling, complaining. I've got three examples, um, three stories, if you will, to try to illustrate this, to try to illustrate the, the, that, the, that the perspective um, that we need to have will really make our life's choices here on earth kind of, we're going to, I suspect we're just going to shake our heads someday looking at what we chose to do in whatever little scenarios and areas of our lives um, when we have the benefit of being in, a, you know, being in the presence of the Lord and looking back. And that's I'm all imagining. I mean, I don't know exactly what that even looks like, but I just I wonder about that. And these are some examples that will will help. Um, one is uh, Marine boot camp. You know, think about Chris and boot camp and all the hard work that uh, that they do. Uh, running, push ups, sit ups, running, more running, more push ups, emotional stress, uh, grueling, technical training, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, they are they are put to the test. If they endure, they will emerge to be a part of an elite group superior to any other in the entire world as far as fighting force. And they pay a price, but the rewards, the rewards for all that hard work, completely overshadow, completely dwarf the sufferings they were do- undergoing at the time. I mean, they're to to complain. And to moan about about jogging at three a.m. or whatever they do, okay, that's not the time to be judging whether that's worth it or not. The time to be judging is when they're standing in um, at Iraq's gates and they've defeated the enemy, and they and they're completely superior to anybody else, and they've and they've vanquished the enemy. That's when they say. That's when it's clear that the rewards outweigh the cost. In fact, it's not outweigh, but it justifies the hardship that they went through. I mean, they're not complaining when they're victorious that they had to jog 10 miles in boot camp or that they're better than any other soldier in the, in the, in the, in the world. They're not complaining about the work that it took to do that. And so, and so from, from that vantage point, the, the suffering was, however you want to look at it, either worth it or necessary essential. And I think that in a similar way, in our spiritual walk, when we're making decisions on earth, that's not the time to be, it's not the time now to be wondering if it's worth it or not. By faith, we have to know that the future is, is going to be the judge of that. And that we need to trust that it is worth the cost. Here's, here's two others. Here's the next example. Tanya came up with this one. And that's pregnancy, the, the, the phenomenon of pregnancy. Um, you know, nine months of suffering culminating in hours of painful delivery, uh, they're quickly forgotten when you hold 
the little baby. You know, new life. And even more than just right then, um, what about in the future when even after all the wounds have healed and you're feeling better um, from the pregnancy, then you have, ideally, you'll have years of joyful relationship with that, per, with that little person. As, as the, your son or daughter grows, as you get older and they get older, you'll enjoy years, ideally, hopefully, of, of blessed relationship with that person. I've never heard any mother say that they regretted having a son or daughter because of the pain that they had to endure, the suffering that they had to endure through pregnancy. And I think that in a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's the same way. We will have a we have a relationship with God, and we will, and that will be culminated in heaven. You know, looking back, the sufferings that we go through now are going to seem. They're going to seem trivial. They're going to seem. Uh, they're go- you're going to wonder why did I, why did I ever not obey? I, <laughs> you know, and and that's kind of tricky because you know we are here, we are in a in a in a, a body of flesh, and it's not exactly that simple. However, when we're making choices, when we're when when we we either allow the Holy Spirit to help us or not, and I think that. I think that um, having this perspective of a, of a long-term relationship with God is going to help. My final one is a, is a story about my own life that I've already used up here. I'm going to use it again. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, when I was a junior in, in, uh, at KU, you know you're always looking for something to do for the summertime, uh, some so hopefully work-related uh, or discipline-related job to do so that you're not only going to earn money, but you're going to learn more about what you're studying. And uh, uh, in the years, summers previous, I'd been a laborer, you know, jackhammering concrete and basically just doing dumb stuff for money. But I wanted to, uh, but this next summer was different because my dad had got me this internship with Butler Manufacturing, the uh, manufacturer of pre-engineered steel buildings, and I was going to go to this plant in Visalia, California, and I was going to have an internship there and do what I assumed were engineering stuff and learn a lot about steel design and all this good, these nice good things. And this was through uh, a guy that my dad knew out there. Um, he worked for a company who was affiliated with Butler. So everything was great. Okay, I was going. And uh, then this guy, this... Uh, the guy who, who, who my dad knew, he either retired or got fired. I can't exactly remember. Okay. And then a new guy came to take his place. And the new guy didn't know me. And the new guy didn't know my dad. And so I think I had a two-minute or less phone conversation uh, with this guy that basically just uh, it was, you don't have an internship in Visalia, California. And so I was just devastated. I mean, I, I just... You know, I had the plan. I was all ready to go. I was, and all of a sudden I had nothing. You know, this is, um, you know, a couple, it's probably several months before the summer. You know, I'm, so I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to do now? And, but as it ended up, I applied for and got a uh, structural internship position with the, the research people at KU. And so I was in town in Lawrence for the summer. And as a result, 
I was able to see a lot of the future Mrs. Schwenson. <laughs> now, fast forward to the rest of our lives. With this relationship that I have, the love of my life, do I, do I now, with, with this vantage point, am I, am I, am I, am I uh, regretful or am I uh, upset about losing that California internship? Of course not. I suffered, but the point was, the point is with this is that um, I can see now the plan God had. I can see now what my life looks like and, how, and what it's supposed to look like. And at that time, I could not. And now I enjoy a relationship, a personal relationship that's the fruit of that plan. In a lot of ways, and... and, and uh, as similar to with the, with the with the example with our children, you know, to enjoy uh, uh, eternity with Jesus Christ, with for Him to be the God of our lives, that overshadows. That word seems to keep coming to mind. It just dwarfs any little piddly suffering thing that we could ever encounter in our life right now. And it's something that when when we're in the crux of the, or when we're tempted. To, to 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 think wrong to think um, uh, if we're tempted to think that God's not treating us right or why is this happening or kind of start to edge towards making God the bad guy whenever that kind of that happens to me okay I'm just confessing that there's times when that crosses my mind whenever that happens to you or I we need to remember the true big picture. So, to recap, number one, consider. Take the time to consider and think about these things. Number two, suffering short-term. Suffering is short-term. And number three, glory is long-term, extreme long-term. And uh, let that encourage us to do the right thing, to follow God's leading in our lives while we are on the earth. Let's pray now for for us to do that. Lord, thank you for um, your word. Thank you for these uh, things that have been written down that can help us to live our lives here, to serve you. You've said that the greatest thing is for, for us to be a servant to each other, to serve one another in love. That's the way you've set it up. And even though that goes counter to the world and to the world's economy, we know, Lord, that that's what we're called to do. And wherever we're struggling with that, whether to actually do it or to do it with a right and cheerful heart, I pray that you would help us to remember you sitting at the right hand of the Father and knowing the price that you paid for that and for our sin. Lord, I'm just eternally grateful, and I just pray that you'd clarify our thinking and help us to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.